Hey everybody, welcome back to another night of Walk It Out. Uh, my name is Gretchen Cannon. I'm the community pastor here at Grace Church and we're going to just dive into talking more about um, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus and to do his works. But before we get into that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for who you created us to be. Conform to your image, not to do your works, but to be conformed to who you are. And out of our conformity, then we get to do your works. What an honor and what a privilege it is to partner with you, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. I just get so overwhelmed by the blessing that you've given us in who we are in you. And so as we just talk more about this tonight, I just ask that you speak the things that you once spoke to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we talked about what it kind of looked like to do the works of Jesus. And uh, we talked about how even um, like how he named some to be apostles in the sense of like, I'm sending you out. And where the word apostle came from, um, like in its origin and why we didn't see it in the Old Testament and some of those things. But tonight we're going to continue in talking about doing the works of Jesus. And I hope you had a chance this week to just dive into some of these scriptures uh, that I gave you last week in Luke 10 and Acts, Ephesians, John. But, but also, I hope that you just kind of ask the Lord throughout your week, like, what am I doing or what am I seeing around me that is a works of you? And how do I do that staying connected to you? So going back to our triangle about what a disciple is, it's somebody that abides in him that then walks in his ways. His character and his nature is formed in us. And then we go and do the works of Jesus. And so it's so important that we realize that it's a flow. It's continual. It doesn't start and stop, but yet it continually flows out of abiding, out of his nature and character being formed in us, and then into works. And so I want to dive into some more of these scriptures tonight as we wrap this up. Um, Luke 10, we're just going to start in verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And right there, it's all about partnership, right? He's sending them to the same places he's about to go. Then he said to him, them, the harvest is truly great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Key things here I'm going to capitalize on, like he is the one that owns the harvest. That is not our responsibility. Our responsibility that he shows us here in this passage is to pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers, to send other people that are willing to invest in advancing his kingdom one heart at a time. Pray for those that will abide in him, will walk in his ways and do his works. Verse 3 says, go on your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among the wolves. He's letting them know right there, like 
This is not going to be fun at times, and it's probably not going to be easy at times either. But I'm sending you out anyway because I've prepared you. And then he goes in to tell them what to take and what not. So carry neither money, bag, knapsack, or nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. So right there, it shows us one of the works of Jesus is going and finding people that your peace rests on. Now, if you're staying connected to him and his image is being formed in you, then of course, it's, it's his conformity in you that is entering that house also. But I think it's key here because it says, like my peace, see if my peace will rest on that house. Like, am I a person that they connect with? Am I a person that um, there's great camaraderie with that, that like we jive together, so to speak? And, um, and if so, like, do they see the Lord in me? And do I see a receptivity for the Lord um, to be there? And then it says in verse 7, And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the labor is, worth, um, is, is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever you city you enter, and they receive you, each such thing set before you. So right there, it's a perfect picture of how to partner with him in finding who you're supposed to sow into, right? Who you're supposed to partner with him um, doing the works with. We're going to skip on down to verse 17. And it says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now that word name means fame, reputation, character. It's just not saying the name of Jesus, but it is the presence and the power, the backing in the character and the nature. Like he, at the first part of Luke 10, he sends them out in his backing. Like not just his authority, but even his nature, his peace, like he is the Prince of Peace. That's part of his nature. And so he is sending them out with his peace. And so there in verse 17, it talks about the demons being subject to us when we have his fame, his reputation, his character with us, not just saying the name of Jesus. It's so important that you get that. Verse 18 says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not reject in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and are prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seems good in your sight. Like doing the works of Jesus, staying connected to him through the power of the Holy Spirit, letting his nature be formed in us, is good in his sight. 
It is the way we were designed to live. Let's look at some more scriptures. We're going to go on down um, into Acts. And so Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even until the end of the earth. Right here, like the way that you witness isn't in your words. Now it might be, but it's also in your love for people. It's also like if you go and just talk about Jesus, but there is no love, you're annoying. Like it's something to be said about taking the character of Jesus with you because that's when we're witnesses. Acts 4.13, here's a great picture of abide to works. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So the display or, or Peter and John being the witnesses of Jesus right here is the boldness. Like it's the boldness, it's the confidence, it's authority, it's the demonstration of his power that came here. But they perceived like these men are educated and educated and these are untrained. These are not the religious scholars. And so like they started to marvel because of that boldness that came with them. But what happened is the people realized that it came out of the fact that they had been with Jesus, abiding to works, like remaining connected with him. Acts uh, 4.31, it says, um, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Like one of the byproducts of being with Jesus, one of the byproducts of abiding in him, one of the byproducts of being filled with the Spirit is speaking the word of God with boldness, with authority, with intentionality. Oh man, I love that. <laughs> I've, been, I've been back in um, Matthew 11 where it talks about like the kingdom of God suffers violence. But the violent, meaning the nouns, like the people, the violent, take it by force. We take the kingdom by force. And what happens is that only happens via the indwelling life of Christ, of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and us choosing to be intentional. That's what that word means, violent, there. So just a little side note for you. So let's look at Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like we weren't created to go do stuff. We were created to be conformed to his image. We were created to be the exact representation of Jesus here on earth, right? Just as Hebrew talks about Jesus was the exact representation of our Father. God is Christ-like. And so we are to be images of Christ. We are to be conformed to his image. Therefore, we should look like our Father. We should. And so if we aren't, is it because we are not living connected to him, choosing his choices? 
and doing the things that he has asked us to do. So right here in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are his workmanship created in Jesus for good works, prepared so we should walk in them. We have to align our will, our mind, our emotions. We have to align ourselves to um, what we were created for. And when we do that, we will walk in them. All right, let's get into one more. John 17, which is one of my absolute favorite chapters in the entire Bible. But we're just going to focus on verse 10 here. And it says, For all who belong to me now belong to you. Now, this is Jesus. And all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Like it's our all for his all. The only way that we can like even be violent towards the kingdom, the only way that we can be a witness to Jesus, like of who he is, is for us to surrender ourselves wholeheartedly, passionately, intentionally. And what is the purpose for? Not for anything except his glory to be revealed here on earth. And think about that. It's really super hard. And it's really not hard at all. It's the tension. It's the tension of being a part of the kingdom of God. It really is a tension. Like, am I going to surrender my mind, my will, and my emotions to the Lord? Am I going to let my surrendered life show his glory throughout the earth? I mean, it's a heavy weight when you think about it. Like we can amen this truth or we can also sit in it and we can ask the Lord, where am I staying connected to you? Where am I allowing your character and your nature to be formed in us? I mean, think about that. Yeah, there are places in our disobedience that we hinder his character and nature being formed in us. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't work all things for our good, and it doesn't mean that it won't eventually happen. But sometimes we put a pause on things. And so if you stay connected to him, if you let his character and nature be formed in you through, through our obedience as fruit, like then we can go walk in his ways. Out of that, then, doing the works of Jesus becomes something that's easy. Like people see the manifest presence of his glory in and upon and through you. Like There's a lot of freedom in knowing that it's just being intentional with the things in the kingdom. And so <clears throat> I'm going to go into a couple more verses. And uh, I may have said John 17 was last, but I ran into these others remembering, well, yes, oh my gosh, these two are amazing. Um, and I want to go into one other too. Let me find it real quick. Um, I, I am working on it right here. I'm not in my normal Bible. So sometimes it's like, hey, where's it at? All right. 
Let's go into Luke 6. It says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain and pray. So that is us going and connecting to the Lord, living connected, abiding, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, who he also named apostles, which last week I talked about where the word like originated um, in the word apostle. And then it's uh, then he lists the apostles. And then in verse 17, it says, And he came down with them, like off the mountain, and stood on a level place with the crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Now let's think about this. At the end, we talk about people being healed of diseases, healed of unclean spirits, and power being flowing out of Jesus, healing them all. But how did that passage start? That passage started with Jesus going up the mountain to pray all night with the Father. Think about the intentionality. Like that is being violent towards the things of the kingdom to be manifest here on earth. Am I right? The fact that Jesus would set aside an entire night to go pray with the Father. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time maybe you've stayed up a little bit later with the Lord or gotten up a little earlier? And there's no shame or judgment in that. But if we want to be people that are violent toward building this kingdom, that are intentional, that are in a radical pursuit of wholeheartedness and surrender, then there is going to be some cost involved. But man, it is so worth it. So I encourage you, like, find a night and say, Lord, I want to practice this with you. I want you to teach me how to do what we saw Jesus do and continue all night in prayer to the Father. Continue in communion all night with you. So, so that starts that passage and how it ends is all about healing unclean spirits, diseases, all of the people were healed. And so right there, it's a perfect picture of how abiding, staying connected with him produces the power of God for demonstration. And it's for his glory. You know, these people, they didn't have a bunch of emails sent to them say, come to this revival. Word got out and word got out that the healer was going to be here. And they came from all of these different places. Is that not awesome? So I want to close with two verses. So Mark 16 and Matthew 28, when you look at them um, like paralleled, they happen in the same moment. So Mark's account, Matthew's account. And so I want to read both of them for you. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. So we've talked before, like the first work of the Holy Spirit is to believe, right? Like that is the first miracle for us to be granted, is to be able to believe and to choose to believe. 
And then it says, in my name, so that word is character, fame, reputation. They will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, and they will take up serpents, and they will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. All of those things happen as a byproduct of believing him. And then Matthew 28, we call it the Great Commission, but Mark 16 happened in the same moment, in the same situation, circumstance. Uh, Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. And actually, and, and it says, And make disciples. Actually, the original translation says, Going, disciple, all nations. So we don't make anything, but we disciple, we invest. Baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immersing them in the character, the nature, and the reputation of Father God, of Jesus Christ, and of Holy Spirit. Teaching them by modeling, by demonstrating, by showing them to observe all things that I have commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So as we just wrap up this this section, I don't remember how many weeks it's been, about a disciple, like what a disciple is. I just want to recap for you. A disciple is somebody that lives connected to him. They abide with him. And out of that, his character and his nature is formed in us. We learn to hear his voice. We walk out our obedience to it. That's how his character and nature is formed in us. We sit with him, he speaks things to us, and we choose to change our mind. And then out of that flow of living connected and him being formed in us and walking in his ways, we get to go and do the things that we saw Jesus do because we live connected to him. When we're at the store, we're going to hear him say, that lady just lost her husband. Go ask her if she, you can pray for her. We'll hear that man is fighting cancer. He needs a touch from me. Go ask if you can pray for him. Like that's how it works when we live connected to him. And so, Father, as we close tonight, I just pray each and every person that listens to this, that you will give them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to live connected to you out and about in the world, that you will remind them, like the opportunities are all there, but you will remind them with all of the subtle reminders that you lovingly give them. Hey, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. So go and manifest my presence so my glory is revealed. Like, please, I urge you to continue to whisper that to us. And we pledge to be intentional towards the thing of things of your kingdom and saying yes to having ears to hear. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a fantastic week, and I will see you next Friday.